Hi there, I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spa Doctor Podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking about what might seem like an unlikely root cause of depression anxiety. That's Lyme disease, mold toxicity, and other triggers that lead to imbalances in the immune system. You'll need to listen to today's interview to hear how it all ties together, but I'm excited about today's guest because she's super smart and she's currently leading the naturopathic profession as the president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. My guest is Dr. Jaquel Patterson and her naturopathic medicine practice, she focuses on conditions like Lyme disease, autoimmune conditions, asthma and allergies, PANS, PANDAS, chronic fatigue and anxiety and depression. Dr. Patterson had a passion for alternative medicine at an early age, coming from a mixed heritage, exposed her to different healing practices that didn't always reflect what she was being taught in the classroom, and she wanted to learn more. As a child, Dr. Patterson saw her mother struggle with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and noticed many unmet needs with conventional medical treatments. That instilled in her a desire and hope for a different, more holistic way to provide care. After completing her undergraduate degree at Cornell University, she later went on to earn her doctoral degree at the University of Bridgeport College of Naturopathic Medicine. And while there, she completed over 1,300 clinical hours and interned at Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center. Since then, she's pursued a path of medicine with a core of naturopathic tenets, treat the whole person, and find the underlying cause of disease. At the beginning of today's interview, Dr. Jaquel shares what it's like to be the president of the AANP and why it's such an important time for access to safe and effective natural medicine. And then we go on to discuss the main topic for today, Lyme, mold, and depression. I think you'll find it really interesting how it all ties together. Instead of looking at the body as isolated organs, it's important to know how they all work together. We talk about this and how to address the root cause, restore balance for your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. So please enjoy this interview. Jaquel, it's so great to have you on the Spot Actor Podcast. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you are a busy woman. You are president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, and you're in clinical practice. You have a lot going on. <laughs> um, so first of all, let's talk about, and I mean, we've got a lot to you we want to talk about today and as regards to health and, and wellness, but also you're, you've been such a great leader for the profession, so I appreciate your, your hard work and that. You. How has it been being president of the American Association for Naturopathic Physicians? Oh, it's been quite busy, as you said, and this is actually in my last year, so I ended in 2019. I was a president for, from 2017 to 2019, and I've been on the board for over six years, which I can't believe. I remember when I first was on the board knowing people that were on for that long, I, I couldn't imagine that, but time really flies by and it's, it's really exciting. It continues to excite me to be able to see, um, you know, more states licensed and a lot of progression just in our profession in general and to be just part of that. So I'm um, continue to like be excited for the next level of leadership and um, hope some of the you know, pieces that we actually definitely have developed in terms of a lot of structural changes um, will stay uh, throughout. Yeah, there's been so much change in the profession since you've been on the board and um, and since I was uh, 
So I got, um, I graduated from school, what was it, 19 years ago. <laughs> and, um, and, and I just realized that it's been 15 years since I was appointed by former Governor Schwarzenegger to the Naturopathic Advisory Council. I ran across a newspaper clipping like a public announcement in Santa Barbara, you know, oh, wow. that, that that happened. I can't believe it's been 15 years since Naturopathic uh, doctors were licensed in California. And that, that's why I was appointed by uh, Schwarzenegger to the Naturopathic Advisory Council because it was a, the, the law got passed while I was there and mm -hmm. I was involved in the lobbying effort. So there's so much that's happened in our profession. And I know it might be shocking for people to hear that naturopathic physicians, it, the, the scope of practice is different from state to state. So it, it, that's a lot of efforts of the ANP, the American Association mm -hmm. of Naturopathic Physicians is is getting the word out so that we can, so people understand the difference between someone who has attended a four-year accredited naturopathic medical school versus someone who it calls himself a naturopath that maybe received some online training. So that's, it's been a challenge mm -hmm. for our profession, right? Yes. And there's still so much more to go. You know, we were looking still to having over half of the state's license and hoping that that will, you know, push the trajectory and push the tipping point over. And another piece that we're really working on is being included in things like Medicare so that we have more of that, that national reach. So um, we're, we're chugging along. We've had many states licensed in the last few years. And I know that that, um, that, that will continue. And I'm just um, honored to still be the president because you see what the people kind of before us did and how much of time, commitment, um, and amazing passion they still have that, you know, just being able to do something in my a little amount is really, um, is really, you know, meaningful for me. So I'm, there's, there is definitely a lot of support that continues to be needed as we're trying to get all the licensed state, all the states licensed. And I'm hoping that happens in the next, you know, five years. So. Right. And so what that means for everybody listening is that each state has regulations and a licensure that's available for different professions. And so currently not every state has a license available for naturopathic physicians. So like in the state of Utah, where I am, we have a great scope of practice, a license available for naturopathic doctors. So the public is knows if someone is a licensed naturopathic physician, so we can practice as primary care doctors and we have certain prescriptive rights. And, but you know, of course our focus is more of an integrative holistic approach, but in other states where there is no license available, then naturopathic doctors have to practice differently and they can't practice to their full scope. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important for, for all states to be licensed so that the public then knows everybody knows if someone is more of like a health coach, but they or if someone is a licensed naturopathic doctor who can do physical exams, can order lab work, can diagnose and treat disease with an integrative approach, right? Yes, so that, yes, it's and it's a lot safer. It's a much safer, and so to the public at large. And so I've had the experience of practice of working in both states. You know, in New Jersey as a consultant, since it's an unlicensed state, and then in Connecticut which is a licensed state. And it just, it really is the benefit of the public at large if the state is licensed because we can do many of those things that you mentioned in terms of blood work, you know, collaborating with other doctors. Um, also just the, the level of, um, of knowledge and skill set and knowing, um, being able to identify, you know, like you mentioned the root cause of the condition, but also when 
when to refer out and when, you know, maybe a higher level of intervention is needed. So I think it's, um, it's something that we're really skilled at doing and also protects the safety of the public because they're just aware of uh, those who are actually licensed and trained to do so. And so much of this is education because if people understand what, what we're trying to do and what we're trained to do, then it's going to be easier for us to continue to get licensed in all states, that we're not trying to take the place of a medical doctor, that we have a place within the medical system and we know where what our, our place is, what our training is, our scope is, um, but we, we are we truly are educated in this integrative approach because we're trained um, in anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, but also botanical medicine and nutrition. We get so much comprehensive training both in, um, in classroom as well as in a clinical setting on these things. So we be, and, and because the public really wants to know about supplements and diet and food and in, and, and conventional medical schools, there is, they're not trained. That's not the specialty isn't natural medicine. So it's, it's important for, for, I think for people to understand how well we're trained and how we fit into, yes. into the medical model and that getting nature Valley doctors licensed in all states, it protects the public and it, and it's a great, um, it's a great way to kind of round out the medical system. Yes, and I, I feel like I've created it in a microcosm in my medical practice because I have six doctors in our practice and four of them are naturopathic doctors, but we also have an internist and a physical therapist who's also nutritionist. So it's been so helpful having that level of collaboration. And we also work with you know providers and specialties in the area, have a really strong relationship so that there is that back and forth between patients. So it's important, I think, to have all parts of care and um, the collaboration is really key to that. I think that's really the you know next wave of medicine. Obviously, alternative medicine is one is one of the big pieces, but how we collaborate across care to also save costs, you know, in terms of for the patients as well. So, and the healthcare system in general. Yeah, and and so and you know, and I and I. I know so many people ask me that they want to find a naturopathic doctor in their state and they can't find somebody. Mm -hmm. So this is what's going to help is that a, a lot of naturopathic doctors won't go to states that aren't licensed because unless they, you know, unless they have family there and they have, have to go there, they typically choose the states that are licensed. So then that makes it naturopathic medicine not available in unlicensed mm -hmm. states, at least in, and you know, to the full scope that we're trained to, to do and provide. So um, I'm so glad that you're doing this work. Um, can you just explain for people who aren't used to or truly understand naturopathic medicine, can you explain a little bit about the training that, mm -hmm. that naturopathic doctors have? Yeah, so we go through um, post-bachelor, it's a four-year doctoral medical training program, and um, we take all of the same you know, basic sciences, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, and we also take you know, physiology, pathology. But in the last two years, we actually have two license examinations and you have to pass those license examinations in order to practice in a licensed state. So a lot of people you know, aren't aware of that. The last two years were really focused more on our clinical uh, particularity and we, all, we also are trained in pharmacology. So a lot of people don't know that, that we're really experts in the drug-herb interaction 
and also knowing that level of care you know, when the higher level of care is needed as well. So we have you know, two years on our last two years where we're doing clinical hours and then also many graduates also, do re also are able to do residency. So we take those two license examinations to show competency. Um, all the uh, basically incoming class have to take all the pre-medical requirements in order to actually start um, the medical program. Um, there are limited schools, but they're you know, accredited schools um, by the Department of Education um, in order for people to you know, be able to attend those schools and become licensed uh, doctors as well. Yeah, and so those schools are Bastyr University, National University of Natural Medicine, Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. What are the other schools? Uh, University of Bridgeport, and then there's also um, schools in Canada as well. So, but the training in terms of the science class training is commensurate with really any traditional or conventional medical program. And um, I think, yes, people aren't aware of the, how extensive our level of training is. Um, it's, it's not a program that we're you know, completing a lot of the classwork online and not having experience face-to-face um, -face with patients. The last two years, there are um, what they call preceptorships where um, students actually will precept out with doctors in the community, but also they have clinical shifts with overseeing uh, doctors of NDs, sometimes MDs or GOs, you know, different uh, people, but you typically, in, um, typically NDs where they get to kind of firsthand experience in terms of clinic, clinically and how to actually use the approaches and the medicine and philosophy that we were trained to do so. Yeah, great. And I think it's important for people to realize that when you're looking for a naturopathic doctor online, you want to look for someone who has attended one of these accredited mm -hmm. or your in-person naturopathic medical schools that um, a correspondence program, if they did their course online, if they did not get their degree from one of these accredited schools, then they do not have the same level of training. Um, and so they're not uh, able to diagnose and treat disease. They're not able to practice as primary care doctors, uh, as, as the type of doctors that we're talking about. Because there, okay. is, there are a lot of people out there calling themselves naturopaths, naturopathic doctors that don't have this training. So it's important to understand the difference and mm -hmm. do a little bit of of um, education. Um, and that's a good differentiator, the di diagnosis and treat. We do have that ability to do that, license NDs. So that's a piece, you know, you should look into to any ND that you are looking to see. Do they have that ability to diagnose and treat? And unfortunately, we can't do that in the unlicensed states. And that's what we're looking to have by having these states licensed. Okay. So for um, before we move into you know talking about something different, um, tell people where what are the best places where they can go to get information mm -hmm. on understanding maybe if they want to be you know get involved in helping with licensure efforts or they want to learn more about naturopathic medicine mm -hmm. and naturopathic doctors. Yeah, so there's two primary resources. So we have the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, which I'm currently the president for and the website for that is naturopathic.org um, and so if you're looking to search in the directory for um, a naturopathic physician um, to be able to see that would be one uh, source the other place for just general um, faqs and information um, in collaboration that we have is what's called institutes for natural medicine and there's a lot of patient education information as well located on that website Forgetting at the top of my head the the URL for that website, I'm sure you may yeah, know Institute better than me. For, for um, yeah, Institute for Natural Medicine, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, okay, and we'll we'll put those links up in the show notes so people okay. can, 
can get to those easily. And also, um, the uh, the naturopathic medical schools are also, I think, a good a good. Oh yes, yes, American Academy for Naturopathic Medical Schools, which is AANMC org. So if there are, if anybody listening in is interested actually in pursuing the field, there's information there, but also it's great because they, they discuss even at more length the education. So you can get information about what are, what is all the coursework, you know, credit hours and things like that as well. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks for covering that. Cause I get so many questions from people about <laughs> how do I find a naturopathic doctor and how do I know if it's a real naturopathic doctor and why isn't there a naturopathic doctor in my state? Why doesn't health insurance cover it? I mean, like that's some of the stuff that you're working on is so um, more, you know, when, when doctors can be licensed in a state, then there's more chance that health insurance can, can cover uh, visits to naturopathic doctors. And it is challenging, challenging in the Google world in terms of being able to find that and knowing if it's a reputable source. So those three, comp, you know, um, organizations that we just mentioned are all um, good resources for that. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about depression and some surprising root causes behind behind depression. And so you were talking to me, telling me that that you found some really interesting correlations in your practice, and you've had some interesting clinical experience that I wanted you to come on and talk to people about because depression is. We, we, we all know how, how common it is today and how many people are struggling with it and are being put on antidepressants and, uh, and those aren't always the best solution for people. And if we can find the root cause and address that, people are going to be, it's going to be so much easier to help alleviate the depression and also address and prevent other health problems, right? Yes, yes. And in my, so in my practice, um, we have a medical practice in Fairfield, Connecticut, and probably around, I'd say 60 to 70% of our patients have Lyme disease and other tick-borne infections. Um, the other thing is allergies, and the other piece is also PANS and PANDAS, which is uh, related more for you know, ch childhood health. And so uh, one of the pieces that I've, I've noticed in correlation, especially with my patients with Lyme disease and, um, and PANS and PANDAS, is this connection that when they had had the infection, um, all of a sudden there's these big changes in terms of anxiety, uh, depression, mood changes, things that they've actually never had experience in before. And particularly a lot of the patients that are coming to the door, especially with Lyme disease, I see even more frequently as women or men that are in their like 20s and 30s. And they're like, you know, I feel like I'm having brain fog. I feel like I have a lot more, I'm having more panic attacks or anxious. I'm just not feeling like myself and I'm not an anxious person or I'm not a depressed person. And so oftentimes they're coming in, they might have recently been prescribed a psychotropic medication and they've been on it, but they still feel exactly the same. And then oftentimes when I'm working with them and they get treatment, a lot of those symptoms will actually abate. So it's interesting to see the connection for, not for everybody. Is it always that there might be a whole other piece of, of addressing just the adrenal glands itself? Um, and then also sometimes just an imbalance with their neurotransmitters, which can also be because of the infection itself. But that's been a common piece, even though, you know, like I said, about 60 or 70% of my patients with Lyme disease, of those 67%, I'd say like 80 or 90% are having anxiety and depression, depressing-like symptoms. So, so how would someone know then, how do they know that maybe they're a candidate for having testing for Lyme disease? Because I know it's a tick-borne illness, so... Somebody obviously, if somebody has had a tick bite, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
then that could be. But you know, you live on the East Coast. I grew up in Virginia. I don't know how many ticks have pulled off of me throughout the years. And so, how do you how do you know? How do you know that that's something that you want to pursue as far as the possibility? And that's a good question because unfortunately, a lot of the patients that have come to see me, and especially um, their statistics with Lyme disease, have seen like six to nine doctors, same as autoimmune conditions often, before that they actually come into the door. And lots of times they're coming because they've done all the approaches, have done tons of a battery of blood work, and nothing is actually coming back positive. And so they're coming to me because they're trying to find out what else could there be out there that's not being looked at. And so um, I think if you, if you are, you know, that person that there has been um, pretty extensive tests, like autoimmune conditions have been ruled out, let's say inflammatory markers, there's no inflammatory markers showing your CBC, you know, all the general blood work um, is not showing. That's when, when you want to look at to see if there's other infections that can be contributing to that. And so at that point, you might want to look at um, either a, a doctor who is, let's say, Lyme literate or has focused on infectious disease. Um, not all, you know, not all are the same in terms of approaches, but I would, I would feel that um, if you're still, you know, not getting the results or not feeling be better, um, that's when you want to look at that. But unfortunately with like Lyme disease, for example, like over 50% of the rate is pretty high in terms of false negatives for testing. So you have to make sure that the testing you get um, is with the lab that's really um, tailored, you know, in terms of the labs that we work with. Um, they're very, they're, they're very specifically tailored towards things like tick-borne illnesses. So the quality of their titers and the specificity is a lot higher than what you would see in some of the traditional lab vendors that people work with. And so um, I might catch or pick up on things that may not have been checked or, um, or just, you know, just not seen because you might not have a bullseye rash, you might not have the rash, you know, just a red rash in general. You might not have all the class, you know, the classic um, skin manifestations, but you might have the other things like the unexplained fatigue, you know, the undulating, the fevers or the chronic, you know, migratory joint pain that doesn't really make any sense. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging because I wish some people saw me early on. Oftentimes they've, it's been, you know, six to nine doctors before they've come to see me. Yeah. So you mentioned some of those um, symptoms that are the warning signs for this. I mean, mm -hmm. and I think that a lot of times people, like you said, they think that there's, if there's no typical bullseye rash, um, then, uh, but, but hold on, let's back up for a second. So for people who don't know what a bullseye rash, can you describe what that is? Yes. So it's basically a, cir a circle and then the inside there's like a, just like a bullseye. Like if you were to actually like a, sh um, I don't want to say a range, but I'm trying to use a PC yeah. word, but um, basically, you know, with the circles. And so basically it's an outside circle and then there's like a dot in the middle. And so usually what it'll do is you'll see the spreading out from the center and it's like reddish color. Some people will just get the, the um, red mark itself and that's it. Um, some with different infections, let's say like Bartonella, which is another common tick-borne infection, they get striae that look like stretch marks. And so I'll see that with teenagers where their parents come in and they say, oh, they're getting these like stretch marks in different spots um, that aren't traditional to where you would normally get it located. And we might test and it might be positive for Bartonella. So the different tick-borne infections may also present differently in terms of skin manifestations, but many people just do not get that at all. Yeah, so, so if someone gets, has a tick bite, and gets one of these rashes. So use the bullseye lesion around the where the tick was was. Obviously, that's a concern. But like you said, that doesn't always happen. They don't always have a skin reaction. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes the body just doesn't even express that. So then there are these other other symptoms that show up. Mm -hmm. um, what are what are some of the typical things that you most commonly see when mm -hmm. people present? The most common, and it's interesting because I was one of these people in the category. You know, I, I got tested much later because. I think I kept hearing it so much and I said, well, I think that's what I had when I was in naturopathic school. Um, and a lot of it, what I see was for me, I was having a, like really bad fatigue where I could just like fall asleep, you know, anywhere. Um, I was having the random migratory joint pain. And so for me, which is the case with many of our patients, they were checking for autoimmune, for lupus. My mother has lupus, my aunt has lupus. So it made sense to look in that category. Um, and so they checked for all of those pieces and there was basically, it was completely unexplained. And so going back and seeing the blood work, you're like, okay, well, that explained everything. So for me, I also had anxiety. So I had that excessive sweating, um, almost like hot flashes where I would get like just, you know, drenched and they had just thought it was anxiety, which I didn't feel it was. And it was exactly the same story. My patients say it just came out all of a sudden. Um, but I think in terms of the top three things, I would say fatigue is the biggest thing. Um, migratory joint pain, um, oftentimes in like the knees, patients will say, um, the knees are a common location, neck um, and hands. And then the other pieces, sometimes people will say like brain fog, neurological symptoms, you can get numbness, tingling. People just say they feel kind of like out of it, like not themselves. Um, dizziness, those are more of the neurological manifestations. But I even have people that have palpitations, um, shortness of breath, like air hunger, all these different symptoms that are just ones that they've never had before. And so they may have went to a pulmonologist already. They may have went to a rheumatologist and all those things come back negative. Okay. So that's why so many people have gone to other specialists before they can see you as they've already done the test, exactly. which is a smart thing to do is a lot of times those are, um, you know, going down that path will, will provide solutions. But, um, but realizing that Lyme is, um, there are a lot of different, uh, pictures that, mm -hmm. that they show as. And, and so, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up because I think a lot of times people don't think of depression and anxiety related to Lyme. So I think that that's an important thing to get tested for. So when someone comes in to see you and you're, you're thinking about Lyme, so you do testing for that and you have more specialty labs that you use. And so how would you go about treating somebody? Yep. So I would do the specialty lab test for Lyme. And then I do want to roll out the same pieces in terms of autoimmune conditions and all the lab work, like you said, that's important. So I'm going to look at that. And what's exciting is to see just, you know, many case stories where I've had a person that, um, especially I feel like the most touching are people in like their twenties, because that's when your life is about to kind of expand and take off. So to see them have this kind of just drop in you know, how they feel about themselves, anxiety, depression, just symptoms that they feel like are unexplained to be able to do treatment with them and see that they are much better or do not have to be on medication. That's always just like, you know, hu um, hugely impactful, at least personally. But um, I would say like lots, of, you know, I've had those patients with anxiety that have been, have come or on um, psychotropic medications or may have been on a month. And then once we start putting them on a Lyme protocol, you know, one or two months later, their anxiety and a lot of their or depressive symptoms dissipate pretty quickly within a two or three months. And so oftentimes they don't need to necessarily be on that medication. The protocols we use are very specific um, herbal protocols. We look at ones like modified, a modified Cowden protocol is one of the ones that we look at. Um, also Dr. Zhang's protocol, um, we look at beyond balance. So it really depends on the patient. I try to uh, size up 
you know, what is their like sensitivity level in terms of what, how strong we could um, have the protocol. Also, we want to look, is it more of an immune system issue? I find a lot of our patients with chronic Lyme, it almost is kind of like an autoimmune condition where their body kind of goes through when they're sick, you know, or when there's a change in season, like with mold and things like that, or allergies, their symptoms start peaking up. And so on the back end, I oftentimes have to support them in terms of their immune function. And so that's another piece that's like hugely important to look at as well. But it's a typical mix of like herbal protocol, uh, nutritional supplementation. I also do, um, we're one of the few providers on the East Coast that provide what's called low-dose immunotherapy. And um, that's also as well we use for specifically to infections. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, and it's, it's great that there are clinics like yours, and you said you have a whole team of, of practitioners there to support people too. Mm -hmm. So it's really great to have um, clinics like yours that are available to people that, um, you know, uh, need that additional support. Now, you also work with people with mold exposures, and, and can that also be um, one of the, the underlying causes of, of depression and anxiety? Yeah, so we'll see with our patients, they might be doing well, and then as the season changes, particularly in the fall when it's damp, um, and then the spring or those changes in weather, all of a sudden they'll come in and say, oh my gosh, my symptoms are back. And so with those patients, oftentimes that might be more of the issue in terms of the mold. And lots of times it's because it's, it causes this like immune mediated, mediated reaction where the mold will just, you know, affect the overall immune system. And that's when it allows those pieces that are kind of like those underlying infections to just kind of run, run rampant. And so what we need to do is obviously support the, the really is that immune system again, and then also look at supporting like how do we have them so they're less affected by mold. Also, lots of times we might initially just have to test like what, where is the exposure from? You know, with our naturopathic medicine, it's really like to treat the root cause. So treating the patient is great, but if they're constantly getting exposed in their house, you know, you also don't want to have them um, on, um, you know, a protocol specifically for that when a lot of it is exposure within their house. So that might also be a whole nother piece in terms of remediation that we might, might, might need to work on with the patients in terms of supporting that piece as well. Right, right, and and I know we're we're covering a lot today. We have I've had other guests on the podcast come and specifically talk about Lyme disease. So I had Dr. Darren Ingalls come and talk about Lyme. So that's another podcast that people can watch, listen to. And then I've had other doctors like Dr. Jill Krista talk about mold exposure and how to identify that. So other, uh, I know we can't cover it all today, <laughs> but so, and I, I know you know who these doctors are and yeah, that yeah. they specialize in these areas and know a lot about them. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else you want to say about mold, um, you know, in general, how did, how do you know which it is as, mm -hmm. as a, you know, anything that you could tell our listeners um, about you know, how do you, how do you know when to go down this path? Because mm -hmm. if, it, it may not necessarily be something that people need to jump to right away, right? Yes. And then it actually, it's the same as how do you know the path of looking at mold when someone comes in initially with Lyme? I think I would think I would say that typically after getting treated for a few months, if there's not kind of some progression in the, in a positive direction, that's when you want to look at, is there another environmental factor that's actually aggravating the condition? And that's what I've had often with patients, you know, for treating them for Lyme or a child with PANS or PANDAS or a different infection type, 
um, for the most part, I'd say like 90% will get relieved going down that path, but then you'll have some that, you know, things are not shifting. And so after a few months, I'll say, okay, there's something else that's really the root or, or actually, you know, aggravating this, this, uh, this condition or how you're feeling. And so then that's when I go down that path. So typically I try to see, you know, where in terms of intuitively, is it feeling based on the, like the whole story in terms of all the symptoms that they're coming up with. And then if, if there's not that movement that you're normally expecting to see, that's when you want to look at any other kind of environmental factor. So we mentioned mold as one, but I often see for some too, it might also be like a, a food, you know, food sensitivity. So there might be something I have some of my patients um, with Lyme disease, they're doing well. And then for, for some, like the, the diet in terms of we do um, alkaline diet, we look at autoimmune paleo diet, that's like the staying, staying power for them. And then some, it doesn't matter. But for some, it's like, oh, during the holidays, like everything, you know, kind of goes downhill. And why? It's because their diet changed and there's seasonal, seasonal variation. There's genetic variation, actually season to season in your gut microbiomes. So um, it could be that factor as well. So I think I would say if you're on a protocol, it's been a few months and you're not seeing any kind of shift, that's when you want to look at, um, is there an environmental outside cause um, that's actually initiating it? Yeah, and, and I know it can be overwhelming if you're listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, what which of these applies to me? That's why I want to have Jaquel and I have other <laughs> doctors on because you, you don't have to do this alone. There are naturopathic exactly. doctors and functional medicine doctors out there who can that specialize in these areas that can do testing and help you identify what exactly is going on and have protocols to help work through this with you one-on-one. -on -one. And there's a lot of information online. There's a lot that we can do ourselves as far as healthy lifestyle. And you know, in my book, Clean Skin From Within, it, you know, I talk a lot about the foundation of have healthy living. But if you're if you're following a healthy lifestyle and you're doing all the right things and you're still struggling, then it's it's great to reach out to to doctors like Jaquel to to really do that detective work to find out what exactly is going on. And there might be oftentimes with patients that have been sick for a while, right? There are a lot of layers. So you have mm -hmm. like you're talking about you have to address Lyme, but then there's also mold exposure. And so there are these different things that we need to work through. And so people shouldn't expect to have to do this alone. Exactly. And I and exactly what you said about layers, I do see you'll see patients and they'll start getting like much better. You know, it's like 70% better. And then there's like that one piece and it might be mold. And then we do that and they're at hundred percent, you know, because we are, it's and when we learn in terms of our training, it's like, it's like an onion, like where you're peeling back layers of an onion. So lots of times these things might actually surface that may have been, cause you're, you're working with that kind of first maybe dominant issue that someone is coming in with. And then as you kind of go back in layers, you kind of, you might find more of the root of kind of where some of it stemmed from too. So that's another interesting piece. And then I agree with you in terms of working with a doctor that's also trained and knowledgeable. Um, I know for our office, we offer like 10 minute consults to go through that because you want to make sure too that the doctor is also, you know, a right fit. Are they going to look at that whole piece? You also want to be careful of, you know, going down that rabbit hole that it's only Lyme or it's only this or, you know, it's only one, one condition type because it could actually be, you know, it could be that one thing or it could be more than that. And so you want to make sure that you're just keeping your eyes open um, to looking at, you know, what are the possibilities? And as people, we are multi-layered, you know, we're not necessarily just one thing. So um, it would be nice if we were, <laughs> but um, it doesn't really often work that way. And so oftentimes there's, you know, two or three factors at least at minimum that might need to be looked at when you're receiving your care. 
Yeah, and you also mentioned pans and pandas. Can you briefly mm-hmm. explain? I know we don't have, again, we don't have a lot of time to dive deep into this. I'll have to have you back on the podcast if something oh, yes. people really want to learn more about. But can you explain what that is? Mm-hmm. So it's an acute neuropsychiatric syndrome that occurs um, typically for kids. And what will happen is the symptoms are like um, OCD, um, anxiety, and it's sudden acute. So it happens kind of overnight. Um, and so, for example, I have um, patients that come to the office, they're like, you know, I have a 10 year old, all of a sudden they went, actually just one case, went into the bathroom and they came out like it was like a different kid. They were scared to take a shower. Um, they were scared to sleep by themselves. Um, they were, didn't, you know, they had to do repetitive behaviors. Um, lots of times it's also associated with ticks. Um, well, they'll have like neck ticks or shrugs or these kind of different tick-like uh, patterns could even be like uh, words or vocal vocal ticks as well. So, um, but it is sudden and acute. And so lots of times these, these are related to specific infections. So pandas is a subset of pans, which is more connected with strep infection, but there are other infections like Lyme disease. Um, we'll see uh, mycoplasma, pneumonia, Epstein-Barr. And so those are other um, infection types that are also connected with those that disease condition as well. Okay, great. That's a great brief description on that. And it's interesting that you cover all of this in your practice. You work with all of these, that you work with these. um, And you mentioned ticks, like ticks being, you know, there are two different types of ticks, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's the muscle twitch kind of ticks. Um, And and those are the things. uh, And then there's also the insect ticks, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you're, you're, you're seeing all these people for tick-borne diseases like Lyme, and you're seeing people with mold exposure, and you're seeing the pan pandas. So why do you do all of this? How is all of it? this? Yeah, how <laughs> all come together? Well, the interesting thing is they're all, when we look at it, infections, right? And something environmentally coming into the system and causing these manifestations of illness. So it might feel like that. I think it's sometimes it's funny because it's hard for me to summarize, like, what do I actually do? But I would say it's like the external environmental piece and infections coming into the system and your body mounting this, you know, immune response. And what happens is over time, if it's chronic, it's like I had mentioned earlier, like an autoimmune condition where your body's continuing to like over, uh, overstimulate its immune response and cause inflammation. And that's what happens in that, in those specific situations with anxiety and depression you know, these, these ticks or these infections, like we said with pans or pandas, they affect the ability for your neurotransmitters to work properly because it causes what we call like inflammation in the brain. So there's this overreaction of inflammation, which then causes those symptoms that we see of anxiety and depression. So it might seem like it's not connected, but in many ways it is because it's those infections that are disrupting that whole normal process that your body would actually undergo. Um, in terms of its pathways and kind of disrupt a lot of those pathways, for example, with anxiety and depression, the neurotransmitter pathways due to the inflammation. Right. Great. Thank you for explaining that. I mean, I, I get it. I understand it. But I think from the outside people going, she does all these different things. <laughs> but like you said, it's related to inflammation and the immune system and, the, and, and what that all does throughout the body that we don't have like, you know, it's, even though we have these different systems of the body, they're all interconnected and, and they work together. And so it's really great. And you know, as I'm, I'm listening to you, I wanna, for those of you, um, my audience, the people listening, if you are, if you've taken the skin quiz and you're an Emmet skin type, this is particularly important for you because of the relationship of your 
the root cause behind your skin issues are probably related to your immune system, that what mm -hmm. makes the Emmett skin type. So this is particularly important for you if you're an Emmett skin type to understand this connection between inflammation, the immune system, and overall health. And so I, it all ties together. So I'm really glad that you you mentioned that. And um, I want to go and do that skin test now. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely yeah, be know, doing it. Type you are, which skin personality. <laughs> Um, so Jacoby, so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I love this talk and it's so true of what you just said about, I think in medicine now and healthcare, we see things as all separate. You know, you go to cardiologists, you go to the pulmonologist, you go to the, you know, you go to these specific specialties and not really looking at how are they all interconnected. And I feel like that's part of the conversation I had in terms of the infections and its effect on the whole body. And that's what I think is so great about naturopathic medicine because that's exactly what we do and is why I'm always going to support that, you know, our cause in terms of naturopathic medicine for the, exactly that reason, because we're looking at that whole piece. We're not separating people out into pieces because that's not how we are, you know, personality-wise and physically. Our body really sees all of those things. So there's that whole picture and is why, um, and it, so I'm glad that you elaborate because it's it's really different than I think how we're taught or what's what we hear now in terms of the, the current medical system that it, that we have. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I talk about with skin. Skin is just an outer reflection of what's going on in, with our overall health. Dermatology should not be it's totally separate from everything else that we do with mm -hmm. our health. It's just an outer. It's one of the first signs. Like even with the tick-borne illnesses, um, it could. It's usually the first sign that you have one of these diseases is that bullseye rash. Skin is oftentimes that outer reflection of mm -hmm. what's going on inside. So we need to pay attention. Also realize that it's all connected, right? Exactly. All right. So, Jacqueline, thank you so, again. Thank you so much for coming. Tell everybody where they can find you. Learn oh, yeah. information about you. Yes. Yeah, so that my medical practice is in Fairfield, Connecticut. So you could go to Fairfield, F-A-I-R, Field, FamilyHealth.com to get information um, as well. Um, I do have um, some other references and, and great material on that in, in terms of uh, blogs and, and different condition types as well. So definitely check out the website. We also are on uh, social media on face Facebook and Instagram at Fairfield Family Health as well. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jacqueline. And, and thanks for all you do for the profession. Thank you. Thank you again for having me, Trevor. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Jaquel Patterson. To learn more about her, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with her interview, and you'll find all the information and links about her there. And while you're there at thespadoctor.com, check out our new brand new website design and join the Spot Doctor community so you don't miss our upcoming shows and our special offers at thespadoctor.com. And if you haven't gotten your customized skin report, found out your skin personality type, you could go to theskinquiz.com. It's a free online quiz that gives you information about what your skin's trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. You can also join me on social media. The Spot Doctor is on, on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube, and join the conversation there. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor podcast.